In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today we celebrate the feast of Saint Matthew, the Apostle. And the Gospel brings us directly to the moment of Saint Matthew's calling by Jesus. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he sat at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So it's a very thought-provoking uh, vocation story. Here we have this tax collector who is a, a member of a, a group of people who were not looked too kindly upon by, well, by anybody really. The, the Jewish people who were being taxed by Rome, certainly not impressed by the tax collectors. The Pharisees also looked down on them as sinners, uh, dishonest. And generally speaking, they were not the, the most popular people in Palestine in Jesus' time. And yet he chooses one of them to be an apostle, because later St. Matthew becomes one of the, the 12 apostles, the new 12 tribes of Israel, such a cornerstone of the church. And of course, eventually he writes his gospel, which, to which we owe so much of our knowledge about Jesus, his birth, Bethlehem, and so many other stories which we only appear in St. Matthew's gospel, the longest gospel of the four. So it's quite a quite a surprise. Saint Josemaria draws this out of the the episode, in perhaps giving it a broader uh, context as well. In the way, point number seven hundred and ninety nine. What amazes you seems natural to me that God has sought you out in the practice of your profession. 
That is, is how he saw the, sought the first, Peter and Andrew, James and John beside their nets, and Matthew sitting in the custom house. And, wonder of wonders, Paul in his eagerness to destroy the seed of the Christians. So, for St. Maria, obviously, this means a lot. As one of the commentators on his um, uh, on the, the way puts it in uh, the critical edition, this point of the way is really central to the spirituality of St. Maria. The divine call comes in the midst of professional activities. And he understood, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that for the ordinary person, this calling from God involves in a new way, the new creature, precisely the profession in which one finds oneself. So you, you look on what you're doing in a new way. You, you, you don't change what you're doing. The vocation, the calling comes in the midst of the world, in the midst of everyday secular activities and events. But you see them in a new way as the place where where God is calling you and giving you grace in order to, as St. Matthew does later, invite others to uh, to share in that grace as well. So um, so he gives that sort of broader perspective. It sort of symbolizes this idea that, um, that work is not just something you happen to do or that you have to do to look after your family, support yourself. It has a, a spiritual, a theological meaning too. It is the launching pad for our love for God, the place where we can demonstrate that love and something which we can offer uh, to God. And um, so it's when you, when you link those callings together, really, about how, you know, how God does find these people in the midst of what they were doing anyway, it really does seem to offer a new perspective on, on work, on our everyday activities. Pope Francis also has um, zeroed in on this uh, vocation uh, story of St. Matthew. He's actually chosen for his motto as bishop and as pope, a little phrase which comes from a homily by the Venerable Bede about uh, St. Matthew's calling. Uh, and the, the, the phrase is miserando atque elegendo. You can read it on his, um, his coat of arms. And it means basically having mercy and choosing. He saw the tax collector and because he saw him through the eyes of mercy and chose him, he said to him, follow me. Perhaps this is also linked to the story Pope Francis also tells about on a feast day of St. Matthew, on a, on a 21st of September, he was on his way to um, to a party with some friends and on the way there he decided to pop into 
local church and, and get confession. And that confession made a huge imprint on his life and convinced him that God wanted him to become a priest. So it, he, he links the calling of Matthew in a way with his own uh, calling, his own vocation. And uh, and took that phrase, miserando, atque, allegendo, elegendo, with the sense of, you know, that calling was out of mercy. Um, in the case of St. Matthew, well, because he, he, he needed mercy. He was one of a group of people who were kind of outcasts in a way. Not just, it doesn't mean that actually he deserved to be an outcast. But we all need mercy. And even our vocation is a sign of God's uh, mercy uh, towards us, according to Pope Francis. God, God doesn't choose us because we're, we're brilliant, because we have all the qualities needed to carry out our vocation. He, perhaps he chooses us because we, we aren't. We don't have those qualities, but he will work through us. And so all of the, the things we're able to do for God, they're a sign rather of his mercy than of our uh, talents or achievements. So I think it is useful to think of our vocation, our Christian vocation, in that light, that it is God who is at work in us, especially having mercy on us, because we always need that mercy every step of the way. St. Matthew just symbolises that in a special sort of way. So we all have a vocation. In some way, God is calling everybody to be faithful to him and to, to do, to, to work for him in the midst of their everyday life. And there's a famous painting by Caravaggio of the calling of St. Matthew. Perhaps you've seen it. It's, um, it's quite spectacular, as many of Caravaggio's canvases are full of a place of light and darkness and you have Jesus coming into the room where the tax collectors are seated at the table and there's a window behind him and light coming through the window but of course that light is really the light of God the light that Jesus is himself bringing into the room and he's pointing at the at Matthew and Looking at St. Matthew himself in the painting, the, the only thing that really occurs to you is that he's, he's saying something like, Who, me? Are you serious? Well, perhaps we all say that at times. Who, me? Are you, you can't really, you can't be serious that I can have a vocation or that I can be effective in your service. That's, that's hardly likely, is it? Well, it is even if we do find ourselves sometimes uh, being a little bit shocked and feel a little bit out of our depth as St. Matthew doubtless did it's, um, it's not true God does wish to use us and uh, we all have a part uh, we all have a part to play so we can imagine St. Matthew's uh, shock and uh, surprise his whole life is in a way going to be turned upside down 
he'll leave the tax collecting to his friends and head off on the road with Jesus and eventually go to spread the gospel. No one's quite sure where exactly he went and end his days giving his life for the truth of the gospel. So quite a quite a change. But the first thing that he does, and again this is sort of symbolic as well, is that he throws a party for his friends. Because we're, we're told in the gospel that as he sat at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners uh, came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. And this caused a certain amount of um, surprise, comment from those around. The Pharisees said to his disciples when they saw this, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but uh, sinners. Perhaps that's exactly what St. Matthew had in mind when he, when he threw the party and invited all his friends, tax collectors, etc., to, um, to it. Perhaps he wanted to introduce them to Jesus and uh, give them the benefit of what he had received as quickly as possible. And perhaps and that is that is symbolic. Because, you know, we, we don't receive graces. We don't receive our faith just for ourselves. Obviously, we do receive them for ourselves. Faith and grace and so on. They're, they're very much for, for oneself. But not, not only. They're, 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 they're there to be passed on. And the more we pass on our faith, the more we pass on what we have received... We, the the better we have, we possess it ourselves. It, it's sort of paradoxical, you know. The more we give it away, the more we 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 own it. Because I suppose it's like sometimes people say, you know, it's only when you teach something that you really understand it. When you have to explain it to somebody else, then it really does it makes more sense to you too. Well, it's a bit like that in the spiritual life. That our spiritual life goes deeper when we feel the need to pass it on to those around us. We, we, we get to understand it more profoundly because we have to just put it out there and um, put it into words. Our gestures, our deeds or whatever it may be. But the, the process seems to work like that, that we get um, a deeper uh, sense of what we have when we try to um, to pass it on and share it with those around us. Gossip, of course, happened, and um, 
But I guess St. Matthew was well able to deal with that. And certainly when he heard Jesus say what he said, you know, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but, but sinners. Not that anyone's righteous, not even the Pharisees, even though they may have thought they were. Um, they, they also needed God's grace. They also needed to be called out and put together again, as everybody does. Going back to the homily, which uh, Pope Francis quotes from in his, um, his uh, coat of arms, the Venerable Bede explains that um, as he sat at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. This conversion of one tax collector gave many men, those from his own profession and others too, an example of repentance and pardon. Notice too the happy and true anticipation of his future status as apostle and teacher of the nations. No sooner was he converted than Matthew drew after him a whole crowd of sinners along the same road to salvation. He took up his appointed duties while still taking his first steps in the faith. From that hour, he fulfilled his obligation and thus grew in merit. So Bede um, says that basically what Matthew has done and what we all need to do from the very beginning uh, is to, first of all, bring our Lord into our own home. Matthew not only gave a banquet for the Lord, he says, at his earthly residence, but far more pleasing was the banquet set in his own heart, which he provided through faith and love. Our Saviour attests to this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. That's the first thing that Matthew does. He opens the door to his heart and allows Jesus to come in to eat with him obviously there's overtones here of the Blessed Eucharist but still it's nice just to think of that party that Matthew threw for, for Jesus and for his own friends and how that was welcoming Jesus into his own heart as well and then the second thing on hearing Christ's voice we open the door to receive him when we freely assent to his promptings and when we give ourselves over to doing what must be done. So Matthew does what must be done, the converting those around him. He starts that process on the very day of his calling and 
that process continues right to the end of his life. So we were not surprised to find that uh, you know, Jesus is working through him. It's the same thing with the apostles. He, as soon as they become apostles, and even the disciples, he gives them something to do. He sends them out to all the towns and villages he was going to come to, to prepare the way for him. And in a way, that's, that's what everybody does. Like anyone who, who does something for Christ is preparing the way. Because like, we can't really do very much. We can, we can do what we can do, obviously. But really, St. Paul says, you know, I watered, Paula, sorry, I, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. You know, he, he compares the Christian faith that's been planted in those people too, the seed that grows, which needs planting and digging around and, and watering and you do what you can do, but it's really God who, who makes it grow, who gives it uh, that increase that you're kind of hoping for. So, um, so that's, that's, that's useful to bear in mind, especially when we sort of think it all depends upon me that I have to uh, you know, make things happen when we know kind of deep down that God is the one who makes these things happen. He refreshes us, Bede continues, will concludes, he refreshes us by the light of his presence insofar as we progress in our devotion to and longing for the things of heaven. He himself is delighted by such a pleasing banquet. So when we progress in our devotion to and our longing for the things of heaven, hope and longing for heaven is a big part of the Christian life because as Pope Benedict puts it, quoting St. Paul, we're saved in hope one of his encyclicals was called Spe Salvi, saved in hope. So in a certain sense, we're always looking forward to something, you know, something else, to something greater that's, that's coming down the tracks. It's always great to be looking forward to things, you know, coming up to Christmas time, coming up to summer, the holidays, whatever, you know, it's always nice to have something just that's on the horizon that isn't there yet, but it's, it'll be there soon. Uh, and we are looking forward to it and it's kind of, Boys us up and encourages us to, well, to do what we need to do to make it happen, if that's the case, and so on. But, you know, the Christian life is all about this, you know, looking forward. St. Paul in the letter to the Philippians talks about this in a very kind of plastic way. He, he talks about how he's, you know, following Christ and he figures that, uh, you know, he, he wants to, he's counted everything else as loss. He's thrown all of his great qualifications as a Pharisee, a persecutor of the Christians, all the things he'd done, the best of intentions, obviously, uh, in order to uh, wipe out Christianity. Uh, he, so he had a lot of credentials, a lot of street cred as a, as a Pharisee and as a well-qualified uh, Hebrew born of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So that's that's St. Paul talking to the Philippians, kind of giving them his spiritual autobiography, you might say. And a wonderful one it is. It's well worth reading from just from that point of view, just to get to know St. Paul a little bit better. That letter to the Philippians, chapter 3 especially. But then he he adds a very nice little coda at the end. He says, not that I have already obtained this, or I'm, or, or I'm already perfect, um, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brethren, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there's that sense of there's more to come. There's, you know, our our faith points us forward. Just, uh, we're, we've only scratched the surface so far. And indeed, that is the case. We've, we can, in this life, we'll, we'll only ever be able to scratch the surface of what we believe and what we love because God is always greater than what we can imagine or know or think of or even desire. Though perhaps our desire gets us closer to God even than our knowledge can. And so, so there is always more. And it is important for us to bear that in mind that uh, there is so much to look forward to. And that's the virtue of hope, really. The virtue of hope gets us to do things with confidence that it's worthwhile to try. Even if we fail sometimes, we're still making progress. And the great hope, the great hope that we have of heaven. And the, the two kind of levels of hope sort of blend together in a way because they help us to press on and grow in our spiritual life because spiritual life is all about desire according to St. Augustine you know and it's uh, St. Josemaria used to say we should want we, we have to want to but of course he then realised sometimes we don't want to all that much we can be a bit reluctant or slow and so he says well at least want to want That that's also valid if you like Lord I want to want more I, I, I would love to love you as you deserve even though I can never really do that it's, it's impossible so I suppose that was St Matthew's attitude as well to press on to grow in his spiritual life and everything he did whether it was with Jesus even his attentiveness, because the fact that he wrote the gospel must, you know, argues that he really did. Uh, today in the gospel, for the Tuesday of the 25th week, we've read, like, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Well, there's St. Matthew. He, he heard the word of God. He saw the word of God in person, day after day, uh, walking the, 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 the roads, the dusty roads of Palestine from north to south and south to north with you know he, he was with Jesus he accompanied him but he kept all of those events in his heart so much so that he was able to transmit them so convincingly over the last 2000 years to so many people
So let's ask his intercession uh, as we conclude our prayer that in our own way we might be able to spread the gospel perhaps uh, in more ordinary ways but going back to where we started through the work that we do through our everyday witness to Christ perhaps that's the privileged place as look witness the call of all these people at their work perhaps that's the place where we too can find Christ and bear witness to him we can finish by asking Our Lady, the Queen of Apostles, to help us to follow in those distinguished footsteps and bring Christ to those around us. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.